Let's return to the Lord in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, open our eyes this morning. Open our ears that we might hear. Lord, we are in need of you. We can do nothing on our own. Lord, move us by the power of your Spirit and through the gospel that we might live a new life unto you in obedience. Lord, we lift up Tom Edwards to you. Continue to heal him through his treatments. We pray for John Sartell. Continue to strengthen him. Lord, we come to you with thanksgiving and praise for Debbie Kanger and Cynthia Jacqua's successful surgery. We thank you for Ava Wilburn. We continue to pray for Molly. We pray for all of those who are pregnant and carrying a, a covenant child. Lord, we are just so thankful to see Shushu here this morning with us. Lord, we are your people. Conform us into the image of your Son. May you bless this church. May we be a renewed people from the inside out, that we might be a blessing to this community, so that all can glorify your name together. Lord, please bless our community. Please bless our children as they live in this community. May our covenant children never know a day where they are separated from the love of Christ. May they raise up to a, a great generation of faithfulness through Jesus. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for President Biden. Lord, may he rule justly with mercy, loving kindness. May he be a voice for the widow and for the orphan, for those who have no voice. Lord, continue to raise leaders in our government, men and women who are convicted by the word, by the word of God. that they might bring the kingdom of God forth in every square inch. Lord, we pray for our missionaries, for the Cochets and the Shibes and the Saunders and the professors. Thank you for their vision. Thank you for their willingness to serve you in another country. Bless the work of their hands. May they bring glory to the name of Christ. And Lord, may we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mile marker zero is on Highway 1, is a well-known signpost in Key West, Florida. This signpost gives its readers all sorts of information. It tells them where they are. They are at the southernmost tip of the continental U.S. You can't get closer to the equator unless you go to Hawaii. It also can tell you, if you're traveling up Highway 1, that you're headed to Miami. These are what signposts do. They tell you where you are, and they can tell you where you are going. Another signpost, not so well known, is mile marker 251 on Highway 44. I'm sure you've heard of it before. It's the mile marker as you come in east into St. Louis, where the highway goes from two lanes to three lanes. I know this because this is the path that we used to drive from Arkansas to St. Louis. That mile marker meant two things for us. One, you got to go 10 miles faster in the car. The second is we were a mile, an hour away from our house. These are what signposts do. They tell you where you are and they show you where you are going. What is a signpost that is familiar to you, that you look forward to seeing? And maybe a better question is, how many signposts do you just completely ignore as you drive down the road? Signposts are our guides. In this text this morning, we come to the lane of the foundation of the temple of God. And the temple of God is a signpost for God's people of where they are and where they are going. This exile people is a temple-focused people. From the time of King Solomon, David's son, to the time that the temple was destroyed, the temple revealed a signpost of who they were and what they were supposed to do. They were God's people, and He was their God. The temple for them was not just a building. So this, our church... This is just a building, and I'll get to that more in a minute. But the temple was not just a building to this people, because it was at the temple that the Shekinah glory, the visible presence of an invisible God, dwelt among his people. As we can read in Exodus 40, when the people from the Exodus came and built the tent of meeting, in Exodus 40 it says, the glory of the Lord in the cloud descended on the tent, and Moses could not enter it because of the glory of the Lord. This exile people was like the, were like the Exodus people. They were temple builders, so that the glory of the Lord might dwell amongst them. The temple stood at the center of their life because without their God, they were nothing. They were no longer a people. They no longer had 
purpose. And last week we saw that the people built the altar because as they were in exile, their sins must be dealt with. And as we said, the altar was outside the temple. So they made sacrifices so that they could enter into the temple. Well, now the foundation of the temple is being laid. They are putting the signpost for God's people in the ground and saying, this is who we are and this is what we are doing. They were in the promised land. God was fulfilling his promises to them because their God was a faithful God. The construction of the temple resembled not only God's covenant promises, but it also represented their covenant calling that they also had to be faithful to God's covenant. And I want us to see two things this morning. The recreation of the temple and the reaction of the people. So the recreation and the reaction. And the recreation of the temple begins in verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer the burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not yet been laid. And so they gave money to the masons and the carpenters for food, so that the cedar trees from Lebanon and the sea could be brought to Joppa, so that they could build the temple. This temple is representing a renewed people coming to worship their covenant God. Remember last week we said, a lot of these people had never been to Jerusalem. They were born out in exile. They had left everything they had known to come and worship Yahweh. But this people was also unlike the Exodus people, because what did the Exodus people do? As soon as they got into the desert, they wanted to go back to Egypt, because life was hard. But this exile people have a renewed journey of being God's people, of establishing the temple, and there's work to be done, and they're ready for it. Like Abraham before them, he had to act in faith. Like Moses before them, although he had been given the covenant of God, God had made him promises, he had to respond by faith. And these people had responded and left everything they had in Babylon to follow God by faith. And look at who's leading the charge, Zerubbabel. If you remember from last week in chapter 3, it was actually Jeshua who was leading the building of the altar. And that's what Jeshua should do. He's the high priest. He should be in charge of the sacrificial system and the people being able to enter the temple. But here we have Zerubbabel leading in the footsteps of his fathers. He is the seed of David. He is doing what the ideal king of the people should do. Build the temple of God so God can dwell in their midst. But then, look, we see the Levites have joined in. The carpenters and the masons have joined in. All the people of God are bought into the purpose of why they've been called out of exile to worship and establish their signpost of who they are and what they are doing. Everyone participated. 
Everyone was ready to get their hands dirty as a people. And this should be no surprise to us because what did Adam do in the garden before sin? He was a temple builder. He was charged to care for the Garden of Eden because the entire earth was God's temple. Adam was able to walk in the cool of day with God because he could go anywhere with God because the entire creation was his temple. This is where the Shekinah glory was over the earth before sin entered. But now these exiled people have to build the temple so that the Shekinah glory can be in their presence once more. They are called to temple building. And as one commentator points out, Zerubbabel is not following the footsteps of Josiah or Hezekiah, great reformers of the southern kingdom of Judah. No, he is following in the footsteps of King David the ideal Israelite. Now today, we don't have a temple like the people from the exile. We don't have a temple like Solomon built. We don't have a tabernacle like Moses built. We don't have a high priest like Jeshua, and we no longer have an earthly king by Zerubbabel because the temple is no longer the church's signpost. The cross of Jesus Christ is our new signpost because Jesus is better than Zerubbabel. Jesus is better than Joshua. Jesus is better than David because he is our true king. And this signpost tells us who we are, where we've been, and where we are going. It was at the cross that Jesus established his kingdom forever. This is why he came to preach the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We no longer have a temple where God's presence resides in a single place. The Spirit of God resides inside of us by faith. We no longer have to go yearly to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. And remember, we are not like this exiled people. This exiled people was sent into exile because of their sin. No, we are sent into exile because we're proclaiming our new signpost. Jesus is king of the world. Repent and believe the gospel. We are being sent into exile. We are called to follow by faith because God is building his temple through his people. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to write next to the temple. So next to Ezra 3, 8, write in the margins, Ephesians 2, 14 through 22. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If you don't have your Bible, just listen to me. Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace, Paul says, Jesus. For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, 
Remember in Ezra 3.1, the people are gathered as one man. But Christ is creating a new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross and thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we have access to one spirit and to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being our cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple, into a holy temple to the Lord. In him you are also being built together into the dwelling place of God by his spirit. God is building his temple through his people. This addition is just a building. We are building this addition so that God, through his spirit, through us, can make his temple through his people. It's so interesting if you go through 1 Corinthians and look at the imagery that Paul uses of the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, Do you not know that you, individually, in your body, are a temple of God? And then in 1 Corinthians 6, he tells the church, Flee from sexual immorality, because you are a temple holy to God. And then when we get to Exodus or to 1 Corinthians 12, he says, For just as one body has many members, as all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all have been made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. So we, I, you, are individual temples. But we are a single temple. It is a both and. Just as the people of Ezra are trying to recreate this temple, the Holy Spirit is recreating the temple of God through His people, not through bricks, not through stones, but through people. We have work to do as God's people to build a temple. We are all called to temple building. This means that each of you are very significant, not only because you were created in the image of God, but because he's recreating us into the image of the Son. Your sin has been dealt with if you are in Christ and you've been called to temple building by the power of the Spirit inside of you. We just read from Ephesians 2. Paul tells the church that we are being built together in a spiritual temple on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. But then in Ephesians 4, he actually tells us how we are being built. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, he gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And to, listen to this. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, listen to this, elders and deacons. He's, he's given the church structure. He's given it leadership. 
but the church leadership is to equip the saints so they might do the ministry. Now listen to this church. It's not just up to the officers of the church to do the ministry of the church. We've all been called to do the ministry of the church in its temple building. Because this is what Paul goes on to say. There's unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the faithfulness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about in every wind of, of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love that we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined together, held by every joint, so that, so that which we might be equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The church is being built by the Spirit of God, but we are all called to participate in this temple building. Church, we have work to do. We have been called to join in this effort to build what God is recreating among us. His church. His temple. Our work is not finished. We are temple builders like Adam. We are temple builders like Moses and David and Solomon and this Exodus people. This is us. And now you might think I'm crazy. You, you might actually think I'm crazy. If you volunteer for Faith Weaver Friends on Wednesday night, you are building God's temple because you're doing the ministry of bringing the children up in mature spirituality united to Christ. If you volunteer to go to RYM as a chaperone, you are building God's temple to bring those mature in the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God. And so now here's where the application comes in. What is keeping you from being a temple builder? So last week I said, our primary purpose as a people is to worship God. Part of our function is to build the temple so more people are brought in so they might do what they're designed to do, worship and glorify God because of what Christ has done. This exiled people has a fresh start. They have followed God's prompting. They have followed like Abraham. Abraham was set, told to go, but Abraham had to follow by faith. God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush and made all these promises. But, but Moses, Moses had to act by faith. This church has all the gifts it needs to grow into the temple of God. But we need a people that follow Christ by faith. You guys, most of you have given money to the new building structure. We are so thankful. But we don't want just your money. We want you because that is not the temple. We are the temple of God being recreated by the Spirit into one body that we might glorify God for all He has done for us in Christ. He is calling His people to action, 
He is calling His people to work. Work should always be, it should always be at our focal point. Christ has called us to something. What is keeping you from being a temple builder? God is recreating us into his temple. Being united together for the glory of Christ. And now I want us to see the reaction of the people. So as we talked about last week, this is a worship service, right? This is, people are coming, they're doing what they've been created to do. And in verse 10, we see when the builders laid the foundation, then it becomes a party. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, the king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And they shouted and they were heard from far away. I want you to try to remember the last wedding you went to pre-COVID. Now, some of you, you might have gone to a wedding post-COVID that looked a lot like a wedding pre-COVID. But for some of you, think of the last time you went to a holy matrimony where two were joined into one and you had a lot of fun. When there was dancing and singing and good music and great food and good wine, and as my wife will always point out, good cake. For me and my introverted self, weddings are only fun when I really know the people because I don't like going crazy. I'm introverted. I, I'm here. I'm, I'm cool. I'm collected. You guys, you do what you do, but I'm just going to do what I do in this chair. But when it's someone we know, if, if it's a family member or a really good friend, we have a license to celebrate because we've been a part of the process of how this person is standing at that altar and we are, we are rejoicing with thanksgiving. In Ezra 3.10, we see the people do this. The priests are in their garb. There's trumpets and cymbals. They are following the footsteps of David. They are singing, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. This is a quote from 1 Chronicles 16, where David is singing because the ark of God is being brought into the temple for the first time. This is also used in Jeremiah, who prophesied before the exile that this is the song that the people would sing when they were reestablished in Zion. And this is the cause of their praise. It's time to celebrate. God has been faithful to his people. But then we get to the other side. When the old men who had seen the first house began to weep. They began to weep because as they were celebrating, as they were joyous about this brand new occasion, it reminded them of why they were cast off. They were cast off because of their sin. And this new reality as temple should cause this emotion in them, both one of thankfulness for what the Lord has done, but also remorse and shame for the sin that we have committed. And they were sorrowful 
because the glory of the Lord would never return to this temple as it once did for Solomon. And it was because of this that they had great remorse. For the reality of their sin became known to them. This was a new start, a new prompting, that they were to recall the covenant faithfulness of God, and yet their faithlessness. And this is the type of worship, praise, and lament that we should celebrate here. You know, we're, we're really good at praising. We're really good about having a good time. We're really good about joy. Because God's steadfast love in Christ is forever. We have something to be joyous about. But every time we look at this signpost, even though it causes joy, it should also cause us sorrow. Because it was our sins who put Jesus there. We should worship full of praise because of what Jesus has done. But we should also respond with repentance, sorrow, mourning our sin. Telling our children, guess what? There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be great times to celebrate the joy of the Lord. And there's going to be times where we actually need to mourn our sin because our sin is real. But the good news is, is the signpost has been established. Our sin has been dealt with in Christ. Our foundation is Christ. He is why we get all garbed up on Sunday morning and come here to worship. Because He has been faithful. In Revelation 21, John tells us of the new heavens and the new earth. And guess what? There's no temple there. Because the Shekinah glory of the Lord will be everywhere in His creation. There we will be able to enjoy Him as the new people of God with one aim, to worship. But work will not be done because His people are always called to temple building. Just like Adam was in Eden, caring for the creation, the new heavens, the new earth. We will have work to do, caring for God's temple, to worship Him according to His Word, being so united to Christ that we reflect His own glory. We are being renewed by the Spirit, and we need to react in a way that is according to His Word, through praise and sorrowfulness for our sin. The cross is our new signpost. It is there we have been told where we've been, where we are, and where we are going. Let us go and proclaim the glories of Christ. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, use us to be your people. Lord, may we reflect Christ well, and when we don't, may we repent. Use this church 
for the glory of your name. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.